You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy weekend. Happy Saturday night, everybody. I'm recording this following the Wolves jazz game on Saturday evening, a bonus episode after we took Christmas Day off on Friday. Hopefully you had a happy holiday and are having a great weekend so far. The Timberwolves just beat just a little bit ago, a few minutes ago, they beat the Utah Jazz uh, to move to 2-0 and on the season. The final score in this game was 116-111 Minnesota in a game they won by as many as, or excuse me, they led by as many as 18 points in the third quarter. They're up 15 at halftime. Things got a little dicey down the stretch, but they played enough defense to close it out. And it was just a really fun, exciting game. Um, I want to, what I want to do is actually just hit some high points from the game kind of a, just an overarching, I don't want to do a whole summary, but I want to say like, it's just talk about the high points, what my takeaways were, the biggest storylines coming out of the game, heading into Sunday night's game against the Lakers. And then I'm actually gonna have Kyle Darty join me. He um, is a jazz fan. And, um, and so he wants to give his take from a jazz perspective on, on watching the game. He agreed to do this uh, before, of course he knew the outcome. So we'll see how that goes. Um, before I get into the game, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you like to get your podcast. That includes Apple, it includes iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Of course, we tweet about new episodes as well as live tweet during the games as well. So be sure to follow the account at Locked On T Wolves on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, so the Wolves got off to a little bit of a slow start. They ended up um, playing playing pretty well towards the end of the first quarter, had a four-point lead at the end of one, played really well at the end of the second quarter to give themselves a 15-point lead at halftime. Back in the first quarter, though, the Wolves, the Wolves really kind of got off to a good start because of their defense, not their offense. In fact, they had 24 points before Cat even scored a basket in this game and um, played great defense on Rudy Gobert, got a couple of fouls, but but Gobert got into foul trouble first in this one. Um, he at one point took a charge on Gobert. That that battle was hindered a little bit by the officials uh, calling things a little bit too ticky-tack. Cat did have two blocks and two strips. Only one, I think, counted as a steal, but a couple of deflections and a couple of strips in the paint. The Jazz had six turnovers before the first quarter was even five minutes old uh, because the Wolves were actually playing really well defensively, and this is going to be one of the things that I pull out of this game was how well they played defensively as a team and individually Towns and actually D'Angelo Russell as well, at least in the first half, how good they were defensively. So the Wolves were up 15 at halftime. They played fairly well early in the third quarter, extended the lead to 18. And then the Jazz got back within a couple of possessions towards the end of of the third frame. Um, The fourth quarter, the Wolves had a lineup of Ricky Rubio, Malik Beasley, Josh Okogie, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. Juancho Hernan Gomez actually didn't see the court in the second half. And Jake Lehman really, I think, only played immediately after halftime. Combined, Hernan Gomez and Lehman played only 19 minutes. The Wolves were using Josh Okogie and Anthony Edwards at the four a ton in this game. And it mostly worked. Rebounding was an issue. I tweeted about this quite a bit during the game. Um, But the Wolves are out-rebounded in this game by a total of 58 to 40, and it wasn't that close until the waning moments of the game. It was like, at one point, it was like a 20-point deficit, or excuse me, more than a 20-rebound deficit between the Jazz and Timberwolves. Um, So it was a little bit of an issue, but it ended up not, I mean, it was part of the reason the Jazz got back into the game was offensive rebounding. Um, So the Wolves definitely still need to figure out the four spot, which is another thing to pull out of this game, to be sure. Um, 
but uh, at any rate, the Wolves were up a couple possessions late. Um, Cat got hurt. He fell hard, tried to dunk on Gobert. Gobert kind of shoved him. They didn't call a foul. They easily could have and probably should have. Cat landed hard on his left wrist, which is, of course, the one he had a hairline fracture in last year and missed time a couple of different times and ultimately was shut down in March with the injury uh, right after the trade deadline. And that was around five minutes left. D'Lo came down to hit a couple of buckets after that, kept the Wolves up by a couple of possessions. It was 109-103, I think, when Cat came back in. And he did return to the game, clearly was still favoring his wrist and didn't really do much over the final couple of minutes. But he was on the court. He did have one really big loose ball that he corralled. I think it was a defensive rebound, made a strong play. Um, And then late in the game, the Wolves forced a five-second call. Talk about this with Kyle a little bit more, so I don't want to get too into it, but did a great job defensively getting a five-second inbounding call against the Jazz, who are a a really good, a well-coached, generally solid team, especially sideline out-of-bounds plays type of a a situation. They're usually late game. They're very good, Um, but the Wolves forced a five-second call, made enough free throws down the stretch. Mostly, I think D'Angelo Russell went three of four down the stretch, and the Wolves ultimately won by two possessions, 116 to 111. So what I want to do next is I'm going to pull out what I thought was most significant from this game. We'll have about a 10 minute or so conversation with Kyle, and then I'll do a a quick preview uh, for Sunday's game um, against the, uh, against the Lakers. So my, my big, I guess, takeaways from this game are as follows. Anthony Edwards, first of all, was awesome. He had 14 or 15 points in the first half, mostly played the four. In fact, he was the first player off the bench for the Timberwolves, um, or actually second. Jared Culver was actually the first player off the bench. And then Edwards came in at the four immediately when he came into the game. He was the first sub. It wasn't Juancho Hernan Gomez playing the four. It wasn't anybody else. It was Anthony Edwards. And he was awesome. He hit a three. He hit a um, a couple of tough shots in the paint. He scored in transition. He had an awesome kind of left-handed uh a wraparound spin pass around a defender for D'Angelo Russell or for a layup for D'Angelo Russell in transition. Um, just almost every single play he made operating in the pick and roll. He looks so comfortable and so savvy. It's and just shocking um, to see a guy who had an abbreviated college season on a bad team who had concerns about his awareness on both ends of the floor, his, his uh, you know, ability to play hard all the time, not an issue. He was awesome in this game, especially early. And actually down the stretch, he had one one fourth quarter bucket and it was a great take and a great basket. Finished through contact at the rim, should have gotten a foul call and he didn't. There was one other play he got hacked and there wasn't a call down the stretch. But he basically wasn't a part of the offensive game plan in the fourth quarter. It was all D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. And, and I understand why the Wolves did that. Edwards should have gotten a couple more touches in the fourth quarter. And I never thought in a million years I'd be saying that. Um, but he was really good in the first half. They they did the the thing where late first quarter, early second, they just re- gave the ball to him. Ricky Rubio got the ball to Anthony Edwards. Edwards had the opportunity to, to operate in the pick and roll and to score. And he did that. He was really, really good. And I, I can't say enough about that. Defen- defensively, that's the other story. The Wolves were awesome defensively. And I mentioned this already, but D'Angelo Russell was hustling. He was getting to his spots. He was fighting through screens. Um, Josh Okoge was being Josh Okoge. He was he was guarding Derek Favors at times. He was all over the floor. Carl Anthony Towns, I mentioned his two strips, his two blocks early in the game, his rebounding. Those three guys were the most notable for me in the first half. Beasley struggled defensively early, but came on again in the third quarter, was everywhere defensively, had a huge steal in the fourth quarter. I think it was right 
after Carl Anthony Towns' injury. Um, Beasley had a huge steal when it was a two-possession game and got down court and made a layup. Um, didn't have a great game efficiency-wise and, and again, struggled early in the game defensively. But uh, Beasley was very good for the most part in this game and defense stuck out to me. Um, also on Malik Beasley, his rebounding. He had six rebounds in the game. It felt like four of them were in the third quarter. I don't know if that's true, but it certainly seemed like there was this flurry where the Wolves were getting killed on the glass. They had Edwards at the four. They needed some rebounding and Beasley provided it. Edwards only had one rebound in 22 minutes or 23 minutes in this game. Malik Beasley had six and uh, was really hitting the glass hard. Showed that last game, he had 10 rebounds in the opener. And if that's the kind of Malik Beasley that's that's going to be playing for the Timberwolves this year, then he's a much more valuable player, I think, than anybody realized. Um, and then the four, which I, I, I'll i get into this with Kyle as well, uh, but Jake Lehman and, and Josh, or excuse me, Juancho Hernan Gomez combined to play 19 minutes, combined had zero points again, 0 for 1 shooting, 1 rebound between the two, uh, were basically non-existent. And the Wolves are going to need to make a decision. Are we going to play Anthony Edwards at the four? going to play Josh Kogi at the four? Are we going to give Jared Vanderbilt a shot? Um I don't think the answer is Jaden McDaniels, but you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to make a trade? It's been two games, so you don't want to blow it completely out of proportion. Uh, but Juancho didn't see the floor in the second half. He didn't play in the second half at all. Layman only played 14 minutes total in the game. So that's another storyline emerging from this game um, pretty clearly. All right, let's get to to Kyle, uh, my conversation with Kyle Darty, and um, we'll kind of give our thoughts generally from the game, his thought from a Jazz perspective, and then also we'll do uh, we'll do studs and duds uh, regarding individual players on both teams. So that's coming up next. All right, as promised, I have Kyle Darty back with me. Of course, Kyle was on the show recently to talk overs over unders for the season, um, and then a little while back uh, as well to, for a mock draft. He's a Utah Jazz fan, Louisville fan, a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. So I thought, what what better time to come on the podcast than now? And I did. We talked about him coming on before we knew the results of the game. So I think this might be a little bit saltier than he was anticipating from his perspective, but. Um, Kyle, what are your initial thoughts? This is right after the game, recording this on Saturday night. What are your initial thoughts from Wolves Jazz on Saturday? Um, it seemed like a lot more fun when I agreed to this uh, mid-afternoon after Louisville beat Kentucky uh, for the first time in four years. So um, I was excited about that. And I guess uh, pushing all my chips in the middle of the table, uh, I did not come out on top today. That's all right. Um, I think... I, th- I think I still value your input on this game. So um, this, of course, is a game the Wolves um, will kind of hit some high points from it. Basically, I mean, the Wolves, of course, were up by as many as 18 points. They led for most of the first half up 15 at halftime, led by 18 at one point in the third quarter. And down the stretch, the Jazz, I don't believe ever pulled closer than three points. Um, but it, it got a little dicey at the end. Carl Anthony Towns with that, went out with an injury, came back in. Um, it looked to be the same left wrist that he injured last year and missed time with a fracture. So there's definitely some concern there. Um, But down the stretch, the Wolves did enough. D'Angelo Russell, they did enough rebounding wise, um, hit enough free throws, had a great defensive stop to to come out on top. So what are your initial thoughts, um, either from a Jazz perspective or just in general from this game, Kyle? I think first and foremost, you got to give credit to the, um, to the Ricky Anthony Edwards, but also Jarrett Culver. Um, I think a lot of people were down on, on Culver last year in his first year, but um, both of those guys came out in, as part of the second unit and really kind of gave it to the, the Jazz second unit. And I think that really allowed them to not only establish the lead, but, but keep it going. Um, from a Jazz perspective, uh, opening night, they obviously had a big win over the Trailblazers, but um, both nights they, the starters have come out flat for the Jazz. And, but 
Um, the difference was is the second unit for the Jazz um, picked him up against uh, Portland, and they did not do that against uh, the Wolves tonight. So I think it's uh, it's concerning to see both uh, both your games of the to start the season. Your starters are coming out flat, but. Um, we'll see as we go further. Yeah. And the jazz shot only 10 of 34 beyond the arc in this game. That's 29.4%. And certainly some of that was the Timberwolves defense. The Timberwolves were swarming on defense, especially early in the game. Were really active, but Donovan shot one of five beyond the arc. Donovan Mitchell was just two of nine and really didn't come to the party at all until the fourth quarter. And he ha- he played well down the stretch, finished with 21 points, five assists, three steals, um, six of 23 overall shooting. Obviously he's not great, but he played well down the stretch. Yeah, not, he was yeah, non-existent to basically until the fourth quarter. From a, it seemed like he was aggressive to get into the paint, but then was instead of taking the ball to the rim, he would pass out when he had kind of some open lanes. It was kind of it was frustrating to see. Um, I'm sure he's he's looked like the lead guard versus Mike Conley this year, and so I think he's probably trying to think too much as being a playmaker versus just being aggressive and taking the ball to the hoop. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, and Jordan Clarkson is a huge part of the Jazz getting back in the game. When it was an 18-point game, it got down to, uh, I guess it was, what, uh, nine points going to the fourth quarter. And Jordan Clarkson was kind of the spark for the Jazz. And then down the stretch, Donovan Mitchell. But the Wolves still did fairly well defensively against him and, and limited the uh, the Jazz, at least the number of open looks that they got. So that was a big part of it was, yeah, they missed some open shots, but the Wolves actually played uncharacteristically solid defense and at times great defense, um, especially early in, in the game in the first half. D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns both played really strong defense and of course not players known at all for their defense, um, but instead known for not playing um, defense at all. And they, they actually played really well defensively in this game. And then the biggest play at the end of the game was with the Wolves up three with uh, roughly five seconds left. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich was inbounding the ball and in front of the Wolves bench and they got a five second call. It actually was six seconds before he inbounded the ball. It took the official a second to blow his whistle. Um, but it was an interesting, I mean, the Jazz had a play called where both Mitchell and Clarkson were curling around a screen and were going to be open or, or in theory, we're going to catch the ball um, and be able to rise and shoot a three. And there was this debate, of course, on the Wolves broadcast and everyone's minds of, are the Wolves going to foul down three with five seconds left, six seconds left? Um, and Clarkson fell down. Um, Mitchell wasn't open. And the Wolves actually did a really adept job of switching. Culver and Akogi switched who they were guarding as Clarkson fell. Nobody was open. Mike Conley didn't get himself open. Gobert was kind of caught in the traffic of, of setting a screen. And the Jazz were called for a five-second call. And that was basically the game. Um, what did you see there on that last play other than, other than, I guess, just poor execution from a team that normally does really well with their out-of-bounds plays? Yeah, I think... Um, usually when you see this plays, um, you know, Bojan is, is usually a, a shooter out of it. So he's running off curls and he usually is, you know, he last year made a, um, a deep three to, to win a game. And um, I like him to use Ingles uh, as an inbound passer there. I know obviously it's, it's hard to get him in the lineup with, with all the shooters you're wanting. Jordan Clarkson was hot. So you want to keep him on the court, but um, Ingles is, is just the best passer um, overall out of those situations seems the most calm. Um, I don't know that that necessarily changes it because, as you said, it wasn't executed from a from a cut perspective. But um, I'd rather see Ingles inbound the ball rather than uh, than Bojan. Yeah, and that was an example. The Wolves had this all defensive lineup with Culver and Akogi that is just really solid. I mean, Towns was off the floor in that situation, which was interesting. Gobert was on the floor to set a screen. Down three, the Wolves knew that it didn't matter even if the Jazz got a rebound, they wouldn't have time likely to kick it back out for another three. So the Wolves went with a smaller lineup, and Akogi and Culver were just fantastic in this game defensively. Um, and another thing that I'll note uh, real quickly about, about the Wolves is that they only played 
Uh, their starting power forward and their their backup power forward played a combined 19 minutes in this game. Jake Lehman and, Juan- and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who played only five minutes in the second quarter, didn't look good and didn't play at all in the second half. The Wolves actually used Anthony Edwards at the four for huge stretches in this game, and he was fantastic. We'll get into his game here in a little bit. Uh, but he played the four. Josh Okogie played a lot of the four. It just kind of depended on on the rest of the, the players on the floor. But um, the Wolves are kind of going all in on not positionless basketball, but just getting their best, their longest defenders, most consistent players on the floor, going with athleticism and um, and, and really the, the players that are going to play hard defensively. And it worked out to their advantage in this game. Well, and I, I think that's a good that's a good mix up too because the the Jazz obviously have good wings with with Ingles, Bojan, um, Mitchell sometimes playing on the wing, um, Clarkson, but but none of them are are extremely athletic. Um, they're more on the um, you know YMCA really good rec league players um, in regards to their movement skills, and so I think putting long athletic defenders on on them really makes them, pushes them out of the comfort zone. Um, and I think you saw that multiple times with Ingles coming off of um, of screens and not necessarily getting a shot off in the way they normally would. Um, multiple times, Boyan would would drive to the basket and lose the ball as he was coming in, and um, just putting him in spots that the players really aren't comfortable being in. And I think that was a, a big key for for the Wolves winning tonight. Yeah, I agree. That that's a good point. Um, okay, so what I think I'd like to do is just do. I typically do studs and duds on on the show, so we do. Um, usually it's three studs, three duds, if I can come up with that many. Um, so I'm going to attack this from a Timberwolves perspective as always. So two studs for the Timberwolves, two duds. Um, my first stud, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give a stud and then I'll throw it to you. And if you have a jazz stud or if you want to go Timberwolves, that's up to you. Um, my first Timberwolves stud for this game was, or is, um, Anthony Edwards. Um, he was fairly quiet in the second half. I think he had 15 points at halftime, 14 points at halftime. Um, and he only finished with 18 and only one rebound in the game, which was a little bit of an issue given that he played some four. Um, but he was so good offensively in the first half. He had one really nice assist in the open court. He had a, like a Dirk style fadeaway from the right elbow at one point. Um, he hit a three, a couple three pointers on three attempts. Eight of 12 shooting uh, was a plus six in 22 minutes. And um, down the stretch, he was on the floor for most of crunch time. They just weren't getting the ball to him uh, very often. It was D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, understandably so, running the offense. But Anthony Edwards was arguably the best player on the court for the Wolves in his 22 minutes. Um, and so he he gets the nod as one of my studs for the game. Um, what about you? Who's your, who's your first stud? He was, he was one that I had marked down as well. Um, I think you're starting to see a lot more tools for him than we probably thought. You know, obviously he was labeled as an athletic um, big bodied uh, wing coming out, coming into the draft, but we're starting to see some of the shooting skills, some of the, um, as you said, the, the, the one, uh, one step fadeaway jumper, you know, some of the kind of skills that I think we were a little bit um, leery to see in college. So I think it was good for him to see that. Um, I'm going to go with just kind of the, the Wolves second unit. As I mentioned earlier, I think they were a big key to really establish the lead and really um, kind of establish some of that toughness Um you saw, you know, Rubio providing a spark. I'm, I miss him on the Jazz. I loved him when he played for the Jazz. Um, you saw Okogie's a starter, but he, he played big minutes for the second unit. Um, Culver, Edwards, they all made really big plays. And I think um, that second unit coming in was uh, was key for, for the Wolves. And I thought that'd be my – it's probably cheating with uh, multiple studs there, but I think that's what I would go with. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to pair this down to two, and I'm, I'm having a tough time. Um, I mean, so – you could argue Carl Anthony Towns, he he went down with that injury late. He only played 30 minutes because he was in some early foul trouble. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, four blocks, three assists. was awesome, especially early defensively. Um, but I'm going to go with my second 
Oh, and the other one I should mention, D'Angelo Russell had 25 points. He wasn't efficient. It took him 21 shots. He had some defensive issues down the stretch, but he was legitimately on a, a solid defender in the first half of this game. And, and I was really impressed with his his effort, first of all, and also positioning in general defensively. Um, but for my second stud, I'm going to go with Malik Beasley. Um, he finished with 18 points on 17 shots, which normally I'm a big fan of, of the most efficient players when I'm, when I'm deciding who's going to get a nod for a stud. Um, but he played 39 minutes in this game, by far the most of any Timberwolf. The next closest was Russell with 34. 18 points, six rebounds, and uh, a steal. He was a plus 13, which is a team best mark. And I know there's a lot of noise in single game plus minus, but I, you know, it matters to some extent. Shot seven of 17 from the floor, only made one of four three-point attempts. Timberwolves as a team only shot the ball from deep 29 times in this game, but his six rebounds were huge. He was rebounding the ball when the Wolves were playing Edwards or a Kogi at the four and, and the Wolves were really relying on Beasley to rebound his position. And he got hot in the third quarter and helped extend that lead to 18 points, which was, um, you know, barely enough given the Jazz fourth quarter comeback. So just the amount that they're leaning on Beasley in this game and, and the his ability to come through when it mattered was was really great. Um, and so for me, he's my he's my second stud in this game. I'm going to go back to from for my second stud. I'm going to go back to what you mentioned about Jordan Clarkson. Um, he gets a, a pretty bad rep uh, around the league in regards to being a, a chucker. But I think, um, as you mentioned, he's a he's a spark plug off the bench, and I think that's where his value lies for the Jazz. And they're not necessarily um, one of the things that you've noticed so far this year is that um, he's he's been known to shoot a lot of long twos or inefficient uh, mid range jumpers, and he's really transitioned those to a lot of the you know threes. And obviously, he takes his degree of difficulty on his shots is, is normally higher than the average player just because he's um, out there to, to do one job and that's to score and to shoot. And um, been really impressed with, with his ability to, to kind of shift his game once he got to the jazz to um, threes and close twos is what he's really focused on. And I think it's, um, it's added to his game and added to his, his repertoire. Yeah. He had a great game. As I mentioned earlier, I thought I I've always actually liked him. I think he's one of the few chuckers that actually can be efficient and, and I think can be a solid kind of spark plug off the bench. Um, and I think, I think he adds a dimension to the jazz that's that they need. Um, I would say, oh, just quickly, honorable mention wise, uh, because I can't, I can't keep this to just two. Normally, I'd do three. Um, I'm going to say Jarrett Culver would would be my third. Where are we do, where are we to be doing three? He had 14.6 rebounds, shot five of seven, and Timberwolves fans have to feel good for Jarrett Culver. I mean, his shot looked broken. It was herky jerky. It was it was not what an NBA player shot should look like all of last year. Retooled it over Zoom with Pablo Prigioni and and some other assistant coaches over the off season, and is now he made all three of his three point attempts in this game. He's only missed one free throw uh, between preseason and the regular season, maybe two, I guess now. Um, and, was legitimately good defensively. And he was pretty good defensively as a rookie as well. Uh, but he was really good in this game. Um, and, and if he is what he has been over the first two games, this, I mean, that's a huge difference to have him go from well below average NBA player to legitimate rotation player pushing for starters minutes. Um, so really encouraging. Ricky Ruby also had nine points, six assists, four rebounds, had kind of an uneven fourth quarter, had some issues, took a couple bad shots, had a bad turnover, um, but was generally very good, especially in the first three quarters of the game. So those guys were also great. And I mentioned Josh Akogi playing, doing a good job playing the four as well. Um, let's talk about duds. For me, this is easy. Um, and it really, I'm just going to combine mine. I'm going to cheat on this one too, I guess. Um, I, I set up this this uh, very specific way to go about this, and I'm just going to going to blow up the the format. Um, Jake Lehman and Juancho Hernan Gomez for the second straight game were just really bad. Um, 
they attempted one shot between them. They had zero points. So combined in the first two games, Lehman and Hernan Gomez have combined for zero points. I think O of nine shooting, O of 10 shooting total and one total rebound in this game. One total assist, one total steal between the two players. And uh, basically it was like they weren't even on the court. Um, I don't even know that Hernan Gomez touched the ball other than his one shot um, on the offensive end of the floor. And that was a, actually a tip-in attempt on an offensive rebound. So no field goal attempts in the flow of the offense for either Lehman or Hernan Gomez in 19 total minutes. Um, and I mean, it's it's not going to cut it. I don't think on a nightly basis. Now, the Jazz are one of the few teams you would, you would say, man, you, you can't go small against the Jazz. Um, but it worked in, in this game. Um and I just don't know if it's a sustainable strategy. So the, the, the power forward position, the more traditional power forward position, I guess, would be my collective dud in this game. I think it's, it's good to go with themes for that on that side of it. Um, I'm going to go with, um, I was kind of surprised looking at some of the team stats after the game. I was expecting points off turnovers to be really extremely high for, um, for the Timberwolves versus the Jazz. And it, it wasn't necessarily that way. The Jazz were really... Um, did a great job off of the turnovers that they actually got from the um, Timberwolves. It was actually uh, Jazz were had 18 turnovers. Timberwolves had nine, but Jazz had 26 points off turnovers versus 10, I think, for Timberwolves. So, uh, but I think just the turnovers, just the the lax lackadaisical attitude with the ball. Um, a lot of really unforced errors when they were turning the ball over. It wasn't necessarily um, due to really great um, defense. I think you know when I think Diamond Mitchell had a, a pass in the first half where. He threw to uh, Derek Favors. He wasn't even looking at the ball, and you're just you just got to be better. And obviously, as you go through the season, hopefully that's just you know really limited preseason, one game, and and they're getting back into the, the groove of things. But I think just the just the lack of care for the ball, I think, with the Jazz, I think let let them off in that first half to be in such a big hole that they couldn't even climb out of. Yeah, and one other note, just looking at the box score, and in in real time, I realized that the Jazz were shooting more free throws, and I knew there was a disparity. I didn't actually think the officiating wasn't great. We were texting during the game and, and I didn't think that the officiating was great on either end of the floor. I didn't actually think it really favored the jazz. I know there was some, some uh, upset fans on Wolves Twitter, you know, thinking that, that the, that the, the refs were, you know, had this one in the bag for the jazz. I didn't feel like that was the case watching it, but they did shoot 37 free throws. to the Wolves 18, which was kind of shocking. Um, now part of that is, well, then again, I guess I was gonna say the wolves are generally more of a, of uh, more willing to bomb threes. Whereas Donovan Mitchell's getting to the free throw line, Mike Conley, even a little bit, typically um, go bare in the paint, but the, the jazz actually attempted five more threes than the Timberwolves as well. So it was really the wolves getting out in transition and trying to get buckets that way, um, playing fast, uh, ramping up the pace. And uh, it was really surprising to me that the Jazz shot 37 free throws. And that was a big part of them coming back in the game. And they were shooting them really well until down the stretch too. Mitchell missed a pair. I think Conley missed one. Um, Clarkson missed one after he got fouled on a three-pointer. Um, so that was another interesting kind of uh, wrinkle where the Jazz could have could have done even better had they made a, a couple more free throws down the stretch. Yeah, I, I hate seeing the refs. We, we were down the, down the stretch of, of the refs were controlling the game really early on of like, we, we want to see cat versus go bear, like, you know, even evenly matched up. We don't want to see it with foul trouble because there were a couple of times where cat backed off because he was, he was worried about a foul and go bear did the same thing. And, and you see, you want to see both of them at the peak of their powers. And so I think um, it's frustrating to see. And, and obviously I, I don't, I don't think it went one way or the other. I think it was pretty evenly bad. Um, but I just want to see both teams, you know, be able to go at each other and be aggressive without having to worry about touch fouls. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. 
Any other final thoughts on the game? Wolves Jazz, I, I didn't look to see when they play again, but obviously in the same division, they'll play at least two more, or I, I guess, yeah, I think this year they play two more times um, it, this season. But any uh, any final thoughts at all? I think just, you know, what I want to see and what I, if I was a, if I was a Wolves fan, I would take a lot of, um, a lot of good thoughts out of this game. Um, a lot of great things happen for you. I, one of some of the things I'd like to look at is, um, how Anthony Edwards is used down the stretch. Um, I think uh, you mentioned it earlier um, that, you know, he didn't get the ball very much. Um, and when he did, he made the shot. But um, I'd like to see him used maybe in a, um, a double pick and roll with uh, with Cat and, and D'Angelo Russell and, and really force the hand of the defense that they really have to pick um, who they're going after. I think that puts a lot of pressure uh, in the in the game situations. All right. Um, yeah, so we'll do this again next time the Wolves play the Jazz, um, which which – probably isn't too long from now. And as of now, as we, uh, as we sit here, the Timberwolves are in first place in the Northwest division. And, uh, obviously it's not going to last for long, but we'll enjoy it while it lasts. Um, Timberwolves are two and oh, and the Thunder are, um, actually uh, the Thunder are now two and oh, aren't they? Oh, they won the first, first game got uh, canceled. Uh, with the Rockets. Ah, that's right. Rockets game. Yeah. Okay. Well, so they're one and oh, I felt really good about the the Jazz, but then Portland last time I checked was um, was down to the Rockets. So we'll uh, we'll see how that game plays out tonight. Uh, they're up five with two minutes left, so um, you could end up with the Portland victory. Denver zone two. They've obviously played some tough games. So I mean, for at least another day, because the, the Wolves play the Lakers tomorrow night, um, and who knows if Cat will play given his his injury this evening. But um, that you know the Wolves will probably be two and one when we wake up on Monday. So um, all right, well thanks Kyle for joining um, and. Obviously, we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Ben. All right, so there you go. Kyle Darty, Jazz fan, and Donovan Mitchell fan on the show to talk Wolves Jazz. We'll have him back here soon. Timberwolves are, it's true. They are 2-0. They are in first place in the Northwest Division all by themselves and will be for at least another eh, almost 24 hours or so. Um, so enjoy that. What I'd like to do next is quickly preview Wolves Lakers, and uh, that game is coming up Sunday night, so we'll talk about that here next. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast. The numbers do not lie. Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Wolves-Lakers Sunday night. Of course, the first meeting of the season between the two teams. The Lakers are 1-1. One one. They lost on NBA's opening night on uh, on Wednesday against the LA Clippers. That was a 116-109 final and a game that they played pretty well in, fell behind big early, came back, were down by a, I think a basket at halftime and then and then at the end of the game um ended up losing by 7. And then they destroyed the Dallas Mavericks on Christmas Day, 138 to 115, so they've been at home this entire time in LA and um have now had 2 days off. The Wolves are traveling from Salt Lake City to LA and are we going to be playing on a back-to-back? With a banged up Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you know, at this point, who knows if he's going to be able to play or not on the second half of back to back. I'm purely speculating, you know, as I mentioned, recording this after the game on Saturday, and I haven't seen anything on Twitter about his condition. Obviously, he came back and played, but clearly was in some discomfort. Of course, if the Wolves do take x-rays and they're negative, I mean, unless they're just going to be ultra cautious and and if they're worried that it's weak and he could injure it more or whatever, then there's no reason to have him play. The Wolves are pretty unlikely to win in LA on a back-to-back anyways. Um, you know, save him, try and beat the Clippers on Tuesday. Or I guess the other school of thought is if they're negative, then you let him play and you see what happens and see if this team can shock everybody and go 3-0. Um, you never know. So uh, 
the Lakers so far, the game against the Mavs was impressive. They held Luka Doncic to 27.7 assists, 9 of 19 shooting, um, 7 assists to, to 3 turnovers on the game. They also did a fairly good job on on really everybody else. Trey Burke had 17 points off the bench, but nobody else did much damage for the, for the Mavs. The Lakers have relied, as always, heavily on LeBron James. He had 22, 10, and 7, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Um, last time out, Marcus All has done you know, not a ton with the starting lineup, but obviously would draw at least part of the assignment of guarding Towns. Um, in, in addition to Anthony Davis, who had twenty-eight, eight, and five, twenty-eight points on sixteen shots against the Mavs. Um, so the Gasol Davis front line is is formidable, especially without Carl Anthony Towns. If he were to not play, and I'm purely speculating, if he were to not play, dealing with Gasol and Davis would be challenging. Um, Kyle Kuzma has been great off the bench over the first two games for the Lakers. Montrez Harrell continues to do Montrez Harrell things. He had 22 and seven off the bench in 28 minutes against the Mavs after a big opening night and the loss to the Clippers. So there's, there's really not, um, I, I mean, this is a tough game. No back, back-to-back or no back-to-back home or road, healthy, not healthy, whatever. Obviously it's the defending champs is LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the top five te- players in the entire league. Um, and the supporting cast has improved. Uh, I didn't even mention Dennis Schroeder, who's is starting for this team, 18 and 18.6 assists the other day uh, on Christmas against the Mavs. So it's going to be a really tough game. It, it's really even hard to kind of suggest how the Wolves would go about defending the, the, uh, the Lakers. What they did against the Jazz uh, and tried to do to, to stop, to slow down Donovan Mitchell, you know, try and switch up their pick and roll coverage a little bit. I don't think the Wolves really played any zone against the Jazz. Um, and I talked about this with Kyle a little bit, but but the Jazz shot 34 threes against the Wolves and just didn't hit very many. Um, the Lakers were 19 of 39 from deep. That's almost 50% um, against the Mavs on Christmas. And they're just a well-rounded team. They can score inside. They can score outside. They can play fast, but they prefer to play slow. Shooter, as much as I've never really been a huge fan of him, I think he's a little too inefficient. Um he can play fast. He can speed things up. He can give them an element they didn't have last year. Harold gives them that punch off the bench. The Timberwolves have in the form of Jarrett Culver, Josh Ak- Well, I guess Kogi's been starting, but Culver, Anthony Edwards, but they don't have in the front court. The Wolves don't have any true front court type guys that can come off the bench and contend with Montrez Harrell. Unless we're looking at, you know, Jared Vanderbilt feels like the type of defense and energy guy that could get some spot minutes against Montrez Harrell against uh, this bigger front line, Anthony Davis. I'm not advocating for Vanderbilt to start or to guard Anthony Davis by any means, but defense and rebounding size, those types of things, Ed Davis may not have the bounce to do that. He may not be able to keep up, especially if Towns is hurt. We're going to see some Jared Vanderbilt on Sunday in LA against the Lakers. I'm pretty confident of that, um, especially if Towns doesn't play. But even if Towns does play, I mean, to me, I, I would certainly give him the opportunity to play a little bit against the Lakers. So um, we'll, of course, have a show on Monday morning. We'll talk all things Wolves-Lakers from Sunday. I'll do studs and duds. And um, at that point, obviously, we'll have a much better idea of Carl Anthony Towns' status of his wrist. And, um, you know, Nas Reed obviously came back and played after he got banged up a little bit in the first half of the game against the Jazz. So any injury news we'll have on Monday's show. And then we'll do a look ahead to the week. Talk about some uh, some of the rumors that are still floating out there, some of the speculation pieces and some potential trade targets for the Wolves. Some of those things that we haven't caught up on in about a week or so. So that'll be on Monday's show. Um, 
The Wolves will still be in LA to take on the Clippers on Tuesday night. So that will be, of course, Tuesday shows previewing Wolves Clippers and then the week ahead um, as the Wolves schedule starting to let up a little bit after the first of the year um, in, in six days from now. So here's hoping for a competitive game against the Lakers and a healthy risk for Carl Anthony Towns and a healthy team as they go into the first back-to-back of the season traveling from Salt Lake City to Los Angeles for Sunday night's game. It's a 9 p.m. tip central time. And it's being broadcast nationally on NBA TV. And uh, we will, again, have reaction either late Sunday or early Monday on the show here at Locked on Wolves. All right, that's all we have for you tonight on this special bonus weekend, Christmas weekend edition of Locked on Wolves. Thanks once again for listening. Of course, Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. You can also follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.